0: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined on the other line by E.J. Snyder, Senior Draft
1: Analyst. E.J., how's your summer been? My summer is going super well. We've cracked into that beautiful stretch of weather here in the Pacific Northwest where we have... Uh, just perfect temperatures, very low humidity, very low bugs. It only lasts for about three weeks, so we're, we're trying to get out and enjoy it as much as we can, but uh, certainly promoting a little beer drinking at this point. It's been either high 70s or we even cracked into the 90s the other day, so um, I am ready to crack a beer and talk about the Bears. Uh, what about you? Well, absolutely. We had really hot and humid weather in the Midwest all through July.
0: Had some brutally hot days. Got heat, heat index over 100, 105 and so uh, we have actually cooled off a little bit, and the, the nights are nice, and actually the days are pretty manageable, too. So uh, very exciting, and it is perfect beer drinking weather. And so let's talk about the beers that we brought on. I will go first. I am drinking a beer called Palisade Porter from Voyager Brewing Company, and it's actually a gift from my friend Joe from Oklahoma. He was coming back with his family from a vacation up in northern Minnesota, made Des Moines their halfway point. And we had a socially distanced dinner on my patio in the backyard. Uh, So it was very nice to meet his family. Uh, I've known him for a long time and he brought a six pack for me. I've been saving it for our first show back from summer break. What about you?
1: That's awesome. I also have a beer uh, from a brewery I've not tried, which is kind of funny because it is right up at the top of Snoqualmie Pass in Washington, which is the dividing line at the top of the Cascades between Eastern Washington and Western Washington. And it's only about an hour from my house, but a guy took over a little sort of ski chalet up there and started an outfit called Drew's Brews. So this is D-R-U-B-R-U. It's called Drew Brew. That's his output. And this is his MyBach. Um, German Spring Style Lager. I've had it since the spring. It's a 22, and um, I know some folks that rave about his beers, and I just haven't had one. So I'm excited to give it a shot, and it should be pretty clean going down. So let's get these open. All right, let's get them. Been a while since we've done that. Oh, yeah. But uh, welcome return. So I am man, i'm I'm glad to see you, partner. it's uh, It's been a while, and we've both been doing other things, but um, good to be back in the saddle. We should in, mention uh, that
0: days. if you haven't been following EJ's other project, make sure you're checking out Bootleg Podcasts with Brett Coleman. Uh, they are doing a lot of great stuff. They're obviously draft nerds, but they're talking about the whole league. And, uh, you know, they get some good Bears talk in from time to time. Uh, probably a little bit more than one thirty-second 30-second uh, of the uh, entire show is dedicated to the Bears because of EJ. But uh, good stuff there. And then, of course, if you have been following along with the Hallis to Mac podcast series. Uh, You know, we finished that up. It's 11 episodes. We took uh, each decade, one at a time, and finished with looking towards the future, trying to apply lessons from the past. If you missed it, all of them are available on the Windy City Gridiron podcast. Would love it if you uh, dove in and, and check that out. You still got some time before any sort of meaningful football is played. So, with that said, let's get into what we know about the Chicago Bears heading into 2020, and I think that if we started any other place, it would be a little silly. We are going to have to talk about COVID-19, the coronavirus, and what that has meant to professional sports, and what that has meant so far to the Chicago Bears, and the first piece of that that is very meaningful to the Chicago Bears roster is that Eddie Goldman, notified Ryan Pace and the Chicago Bears that he will be opting out of the 2020 season because of, of, of COVID-19. So what that means is that uh, Eddie is going to be able to uh, get paid out part of, a con- part of his contract, but most of his contract just moves forward an entire year. And so Eddie's contract no longer expires in the year that it was originally signed. It gets pushed a year and then he is is still on the team, but he is not going to be playing this year. His backup, John Jenkins, who signed a one-year contract, he was recently put on the COVID protocol list, which is a little different. That just means that he has either been tested positive for COVID-19 or has been in contact with people that have, and so they're putting him in isolation. That does not mean that John Jenkins has opted out for the season. That just means that he's under a specific list Uh, to notify people that he is under a COVID protocol. So those are two important things. Uh, I think the biggest name that we heard on the COVID protocol recently was Matthew Stafford. Uh, Matthew Stafford is not opting out of the season, at least as far as I know. Um, He is on the COVID protocol list. So those are important distinctions to keep in mind because we are still um, within the window where players can I uh, uh, tell their general managers that they're going to be opting out with the season. I've heard some different stories, but I think sometime by the end of this week, this coming week, will be the end of the opt-out period. So what does that mean from a football standpoint for the Chicago Bears?
1: Well, it means there's a big hole in the middle, for sure, or a couple of big holes in the middle at the moment. If games needed to be played today, which they thankfully don't, uh, Eddie Goldman would not be there, and Eddie Goldman is um, a limited part of the defense but an important part of the defense um on those downs when you are expecting run or you're compressed in yardage and you are expecting uh to really control that middle of the field that's goldman's bread and butter he is very good at it he had a little bit of flash of pass rush when he showed up with the bears Uh, but really eddie goldman is about two gapping and controlling the nose and making sure there's about a three yard section right there in the middle that doesn't go anywhere and he's quite good at that Um, jenkins was pretty good at it too in his backup role and right now the bears don't have another guy or guys, I should say, that fill that role really, really well. So um, hopefully Jenkins comes back healthy from the COVID protocol list. We should also mention that that can include things like being an asymptomatic positive, where you test positive for COVID, but you don't have any symptoms. You're not sick. Um, So we don't know in his case what it was, but hopefully he's, you know, first and foremost healthy and not affected by the disease. Um, and can come back and and play that role for the Bears. But right now, um, there's nobody really in that role of UDFA or low-round draft pick or guy that's been hanging around the roster that can really stand in. Um, And it's a little unfortunate because there was a lot of those guys in this draft uh, that both went late in the draft and um, even made it to the UDFA status. Quite a few teams actually picked up two of those guys um either drafted one and picked up a UDFA or whatever the Bears chose not to because they had two guys that they liked and now they have um one uh if John Jenkins comes back or comes back healthy from the COVID protocol list so it's a bit of a hole roster wise and it'll be really interesting to see what teams do because of the contract situation that you mentioned um guys are guys contracts are pushing um because of all the impacts of covid the salary cap situation is uncertain so people don't know if it's going up or going down so teams are being very um they're they're definitely establishing a sort of cash preservation mindset so um it's interesting to see how they'll fill these holes and we're gonna see this all year long right we're gonna see um rooms throughout the division and the league that get hit by this. You know, four four wide receivers decide to have a barbecue and three of them come down with COVID. Um, there's only six wide receivers on the team. Like, do they do they pull people up from the practice squad do they have to cancel the game? Do we see DBs running routes a la Devin Hester are they gonna run all the single wing? Yeah all that stuff's gonna come into play. we're gonna see some three tight end sets because hey those guys can catch the ball too and um, it's just gonna be a fascinating sort of substory to the to the entire year and there's gonna be an asterisk by this because you know what if Matthew Stafford um, comes down with it and and really has affected health and maybe decides I'm out right that would be a huge divisional shift um with a starting quarterback long time tenure starting quarterback having to sit out so we're going to see these things pop up it's going to be a very very interesting year that way
0: so i think if we think about it and, and i think it goes without saying but we'll say it just so that we're kind of on the record here but eddie goldman did what's best for him all the best to eddie we still love eddie and you know we're excited to get him back in 2021 where hopefully all of us are uh putting this COVID stuff behind us and we have a vaccine and everything's back to somewhat normal and so good for him for making a decision that he feels most
1: comfortable with if we kind of think about it if if anybody that opts out yes absolutely anybody that opts out I, 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 I want to go on record as saying look we are not down on Eddie or or any player throughout the league or now it looks like the NCAA is going to be affected too um everybody's going to have to deal with this and they all need to make the best choices for their life, for their family. Football is a game. We love it. We attach a lot of things to it. It's still a game. COVID's deadly serious. Whatever their choice is and why ever they made it, that is up to them. It is a personal choice, and we absolutely support their choice first and football second. Right.
0: So the way that I wanted to kind of think about this when we're talking about it from a football perspective is, you know, we're not necessarily divorcing the seriousness of, of what is happening. But we want to kind of talk about this from a roster management standpoint and from a football standpoint. And normally, like, let's say that Eddie, you know, got injured in an offseason workout and he was just going to miss the 2020 season. Normally, you would say, OK, who's the best available uh, free agent out there? And do we have the budget to be able to do this? So the best available free agent that could replace Eddie Goldman is actually a really good one. It's Snacks Harrison. And Snacks Harrison is still available because he's he was waiting for a good contract. And he might actually have waited into a pretty good contract. And because Eddie's 2020 salary is being pushed to 2021, there is a little bit more room that has been opened up uh, in, in the budget. However, Ryan Pace may be thinking about 2021, with some unknowns about what the salary cap might do? Will it go down? Will they be in a lot of trouble? Will they have to make giant moves to be able to make some cuts to get under the cap in 2021? So there's a lot of things that are moving parts that I don't really understand um, the full picture of. I don't think anybody quite does yet. We don't have full information, but normally in a normal year, I think you would say, well, they're going to try to go out and they're going to talk to Snacks Harrison and, and see if, if he's willing to come in and play at a, at a
1: nice deal for the Bears. Now I'm not so sure. Yeah, there's a couple of different ways to go here. That's certainly one of them. But uh, all the factors that you mentioned about contract stability, um, cap uncertainty, um, general managers trying to line up uh, money for the future. And and that was going to be an issue for Ryan Pace anyways, pretty much after this year. He has about a year, year and a half before Even with the current players and the current salary cap, the Bears were going to start to be pressed and have to make some cuts. The proverbial window was going to start to close. So I think we're going to see the Bears be fairly mm, reticent to throw cash at people. Now, again, if somebody really wants to play... Uh, maybe they come in on a budget contract, but boy, that changes with COVID as well, right? The risk has gone up. It's not just football injury and a short career, which has always been there. But now if I have a family situation, if I'm worried about my own health, um, there's an added sort of risk and there's not going to necessarily be added reward. Right. Plus you have just the simple supply and demand so if more
0: defensive linemen decide because they're bigger and they would be more at risk given some of the things that we know and maybe that was part of what eddie made his decision as uh, th- there may be more guys that opt out and so there may be more teams that are interested in in acquiring snacks harrison services and therefore that drives up his price and is that going to uh you know, really make Ryan Pace balk. So, very interesting in terms of the football roster management uh, stuff. There will be a lot of moving parts. I imagine that this week will be very interesting to see what those final opt-out lists look like, and what then that second, what would be like the ninth wave of free agency, the the post
1: opt-out wave of free agency looks like. Yeah, it's very recently, too, within the last few hours, it's come out that um, some of the NFL decision makers would like to see that window shortened because they actually feel like some folks who are in line for contracts are using it as leverage right, uh, to push off years, right, and and make people basically, you know, Allen Robinson could do it, right? Allen Robinson's a guy waiting for an extension, and he could say, ah, I'm opting out, like, give me a new deal. Um, so they feel like it's become more of a bargaining chip. And again, players have limited limited leverage, good on them for using what they've got, but I've heard some, some talk that they might want to push that uh, closing deadline closer, and that would, I think, compress it even more and make it, um, boy, if it's even possible, more chaotic than it's been.
0: Right. Yeah, what's interesting, though, is if they opt out, then their contract just gets pushed to the next year. And so if you're looking for a new contract... That might not be the best leverage to play because you say, well, yeah, make the best decision for you, and then you do it, and you're still under that same contract next year. So I'm not sure Allen Robinson wants to do that. I think he wants to get on the open market, and I think he wants to get a new deal. Uh, or he wants to be paid handsomely by Ryan Pace in, a, in an
1: extension, which I hope happens. So, I hope it happens, too, but the problem with... Uh... The leverage there is teams were counting on your current contract expiring when it expired. Right. And you can now push it farther. You can control when it expires right. to a point And boy, GMs don't like that. Yeah, they, they don't like uncertainty.
0: Nope, nope. So let's talk a little bit big picture in terms of how we think this season is going to work. Because what I've read, there's just... It, I'm not sure that I understand what the NFL's plan was. And I was naive in thinking that hey, they've got a long runway to be able to land this thing. They've got, they're the biggest sport. They've got the biggest revenue. They're going to be fine. They're going to figure it out. They're going to put them in bubbles. They're going to, you know, they're going to take over hotels and a few cities, and they're going to just, they're going to figure this out. Don't worry, guys. Roger Cadell's on the case. The closer we get to the season, the less confident I am in that statement, and the more silly I feel about ever thinking that because it doesn't seem like they have a plan beyond it's going to be gone by fall, right?
1: Yeah, it's really, it's unfortunate. You're not the only one. I had a very similar mindset and it was based on many of the things you talked about. The NFL has tremendous experience with very complicated logistics. They have moved entire games on short notice for things like hurricanes and and that's a massive undertaking for anybody that's not familiar with what it takes to put on an NFL game um so and they obviously have more money than any sport in the U.S. and they were the only league with the benefit of time baseball was under the gun hockey was right now Um, basketball was in the middle of it like everybody else was like right at it and football had this long run up this long window to say we can we can figure this out they wasted it apparently the deal with the NFL players association didn't come down until basically 24 hours before rookies were supposed to report right <laughs> and the negotiation was was frantic over that last 3 days so like most thing a deadline pushed the movement but in the meantime it does not seem like the league did a lot to figure out some of the burning questions and the one that nobody wants to talk about this is the elephant in the room and they haven't touched it um, although it has been directly uh, poised or placed to them several times is what happens if a player dies due to COVID? sure and it has been put to them very directly several times and no one has come up with an answer. And it's still the thing, right? Like, what are we doing this for? And what if the worst case scenario occurs, what's going to happen? So it's just an indication that they really didn't do all that stuff. And both you and I thought that, that they've got all this time, all this experience with logistics. There's way too much at stake to lose the NFL season money-wise. I mean, billions of dollars they'll get this right they'll they'll figure out a plan they will come out with the plan that everybody wants to follow and as it turns out that yeah i'm with you the the closer we get or the farther we get along the more it seems like they bumbled along didn't do that um just hoped that it would get better and that other folks um would find ways to sort of remediate the situation or make it lesser and didn't plan for what happened if that didn't occur and now they're stuck, and they're scrambling, and it doesn't feel um, solid in any way to me that this just rolls on like a quote-unquote normal season. In fact, that feels, I would say, actually most unlikely at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. It does seem like the bubbles in the NBA and the NHL have had a lot more success than the restart of baseball. Obviously, we had the, the issue with the Marlins, a couple of guys went out and partied and, uh, you know, half their team basically tested positive for it. And that has really shut down some others. I think the St. Louis Cardinals maybe had a shutdown. Um, yeah. And so, Phillies. Yeah, yeah. So, so we've seen not only out of the Eastern <clears throat> part of the schedule, you have the Central as well. And so the, the NBA though, seems like it's a, you know, it's doing pretty well. The NHL, the same, the same thing. They're doing bubbles. And I've heard a lot of people say, like, well, you can't bubble the NFL. It's just too big.
1: <laughs> it's interesting. I, I ended up having a side conversation that I didn't really expect. This is what happens when you're, you're on a couple of football podcasts. But I ended up on FaceTime with my brother-in-law, um, who lives in Maine yesterday. I was just saying hi. And uh, he asked me, he said, you know, he said, Ed, what do you think? And uh, are they going to have season? And I said, well, same thing. I thought they were for sure. Um, I'm not so sure now, just based on what's going on in baseball and whatever else. And um, uh, you might say, oh, what does your brother-in-law have to do with this? Well, my brother-in-law actually used to play football with Brian Erlacher <laughs> oh, okay. at, at New Mexico. He was a defensive lineman at New Mexico when Erlacher was there. And he never, he never went pro, um, you know, but he just, he said to me, he said, I don't know if you could bubble the guys that I played with. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think that would work, right? And it was a very sort of honest admission of like these there is a type, right? Football players, especially alpha football players that make it as far as the NFL. There is a type and and they are not the same. I don't mean to cast one um, you know, profile over all of them, but he was like there's a lot of guys that would not go for that. You add money, especially from where they were in college, you add access. Um, you are generally a young person in the NFL, and they're not gonna want to be bubbled. And right. there's a lot more of them than there are in basketball. Right, like the rosters are much bigger, which means the the halos or the circles of. Families and people they contact and trainers and interest, much, much bigger. You're talking about a much larger enterprise. So there are some structural things that say, yeah, the bubble works, but can you apply the bubble to an enterprise as big as the NFL full of that type of personality? And I think the answer is, I don't know if you could. I will say that in general, offensive linemen
0: already treat themselves like they're in a bubble. Like, they'll go home, they'll play video <laughs> games with each other, and they'll go to bed on time. You know, they they just want to go eat, right? But, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I, I'd like to think that it could work, but it does come down to that personal responsibility. And you're talking about a lot of guys that are in a stage of their life where they believe they're invincible. and And, and so it's difficult to actually imagine that you could have 32 teams with 53 players on each team that would actually follow through with the bubble protocol for a 17 week season it just doesn't seem like that's a realistic uh, chance to actually come to fruition and that's that's really unfortunate and that's sad
1: yeah and the other thing here is the structural difference of the sport itself right baseball probably has one of the best case scenarios, like literally on the field, you are physically distanced from each other. Yep. Um, hockey, uh, you know, you are together and yes, maybe breathing on each other when you're in the corners trying to root out the puck. But other than that, you are skating by each other um, at speed uh, with a lot more space between a lot fewer players. With the NFL, you are structurally slamming yourselves into each other at least five or six of you on each side every play going face to face and breathing as hard as you can for you know the better part of several hours that uh, boy trying to break the transmission cycle in that physical structure seems almost impossible and it might actually be the ideal way to transmit covid <laughs> yes
0: uh there was a picture that someone posted of uh, you know, right before the snap, and they posted a you know offensive-defensive line lining up against each other, and just the, the breath coming out where you could see it because it was cold enough. And it was like, here's a reminder of what we're talking about. Like, the, they're so close to each other. And then, of course, during the play where you're physically exerting, I mean, the, the linemen in particular are going to be exposed to one another every play. And so it, it is... Um, it is a tough thing to imagine that we're not, we're going to be able to have a uh, COVID free NFL season. And so whatever happens throughout this, you know, we'll be trying to, you know, work our way through it and, and, you know, good and bad. We'll, we'll, we'll be here to talk with you guys about it, but it's uh, it's tough to imagine that we're going to get through scot-free.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be very interesting. Um, I I don't know how it's going to work. I don't think anybody does. Uh, My advice to to all the fans out there and folks who are wondering is if anybody tells you that they know exactly how this is going to work and this is how it's all going to play out, I wouldn't listen to that person anymore because nobody knows that right now. This is still uncharted territory. Um, Other sports leagues are figuring it out. The NFL is a little bit different. We just talked about that, and we're going to see... But nothing is for certain, and saying that they know that the entire season is going to be complete or it's going to go off as planned just doesn't seem terribly reasonable right now. All right, well, EJ, let's take a quick break, and then on the other side of this,
0: we're going to talk about tight ends, and then we're going to talk about Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles. All right, EJ, we're back. So let's talk about the tight end room. You know, what was supposed to be this, you know, 45 tight ends, you know, the Bears were getting all this (laughs) crap on social media, you know, throughout the offseason because they had so many tight ends and haha, isn't that a funny joke? They've got 10 tight ends. Well, they don't really anymore. Uh, Adam Shaheen was traded out of town. They actually got compensation for Adam Shaheen, which was a little (laughs) surprising to me, but uh, it was a... Seventh uh, that could approve to a sixth based on playing time to the Dolphins. So Adam Shaheen's tenure with the Chicago bears is over after three seasons. That is a definitely a failed second round pick. Never really made anything of himself. That's uh, uh, unfortunate um, because I know that neither one of us were big fans of the, of the actual pick, but of course he wears Navy and orange. So we're rooting for him to, to become the best player that he can be. And it just, it just never worked out. And Ben Broniker, um, he was keeping our great point average up, but he has been cut. And so now we are down to a room that looks like this. Jimmy Graham, rookie Cole Clement, uh J.P. Holtz, Demetrius Harris, who they picked up uh, from Cleveland, uh free agent from Cleveland, and then Jesper Horstead, who flashed a little bit last year. So what do you think about the tight end room as it stands right now?
1: It looks a little bit more like a regular tight end room in sh- in in fact there were a lot of those jokes around around the draft of uh, is are the bears gonna in, invent 45 personnel what's that 45 tight ends <laughs> um no it's uh you know we've had our conversations about graham weren't wild about the pickup cole Komet i think is going to be a fine player um J.P. Holtz uh, flashed in limited opportunities and is one of those guys that you would hope to have as a sort of developmental third or fourth tight end. Demetrius Harris, more of the receiving threat, comes with the familiarity from his time in Kansas City with the offense. So that might be a big thing um, coming in this sort of shortened, odd, <laughs> video-zoomed off season. And Jesper Horstead, really a bulked-up wide receiver who is a lot of fun, has great hands, um, and a lot of range in the red zone, so you've got some different options. You've got a couple of guys there that can block. Well, three guys, I think, <laughs> two and a half guys there that can block um, a bunch of different receiving threats. Some with experience in the system, some um, who you're hoping can develop. That feels like a pretty nice mix to me. Yeah, I, I mean,
0: we are on the record as saying the Jimmy Graham contract was very out of line with his recent production and is not a very good free agent contract but again he's now wearing navy and orange and so we're going to root for him he certainly has skill as a pass catcher he just hasn't had put on a lot of good film in the last couple of years and so hopefully he's um, healthy and ready to go and able to thrive in this offense that does seem to feature tight ends quite well Uh, generally you don't see a lot of production out of tight ends as rookies and so I wouldn't keep your hopes up for Komet to come out and light the world on fire. It's just a position that takes a little time to to make an impact in the NFL. But the obviously the goal is for him to grow into that over the next couple of years. And I think that you've got some good solid presence with Demetrius Harris to take some of those snaps. I think he's a good player. Um, and, and I do like the Holtz and Horstead development. I think they're interesting players. And so there's at least some interest there. And we're not wasting snaps on some players that we know are not going anywhere and so that's a positive you know that is literally addition by subtraction
1: yeah, yeah. and you know again i came down pretty hard on the commit pick not because of cole Komet, right i've said since day one i like Kamal Komet as a player i think he's going to be a good football player i think he will contribute for the bears absolutely going to root for him because he plays for chicago he's a local kid that's all fantastic um, the bottom line is rookie tight ends, as, as Jeff said, don't contribute on a high level, typically. Um, it's very rare when they do. He has a skill set that could grow into a 2A tight end. He's probably not going to be that this season. And in terms of Holtz and Horsted, you've got two guys who are a little bit on different ends of the spectrum. Horsted, more the sort of pure wide receiver. Holtz, a big guy who can block, who has a little bit of receiving to his game as well. So you've got a nice little bit of balance On either side there you don't have two guys that are trying to fill basically the same role in the Bears offense so it's a decent mix it certainly looks better it looks about like I think a lot of people thought it would when they they trimmed it out Broniker had a great special teams presence Um, never really blossomed into that uber athletic uh, sort of receiving type in that they hoped he would be um, because he had some crazy measurables but he's gone unfortunately and you've got a you know a mixed group that can address two or three tight end positions depending on how you label them in the Bears offense and it feels like they've got what they need there going forward.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. So, all right, well, let's talk about the big story of the offseason. Obviously, we have 30 some minutes into this podcast, but we have to talk about it. Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles are they in a true open quarterback competition? Or do you think that maybe one of them
1: has the edge going into this? Uh, before we even get into that, okay, because <laughs> we we have to get into that. You're right; uh, it is the story. It's what everybody wants to talk about. We we definitely buried the lead a little bit, talking about it last. Tells you how excited we are about it. But uh, <laughs> before we before we dig into the brass tacks of what's gonna how this one's gonna burn down, um i wanted to ask what your hopes or interests are because it's a story regardless and regardless of how we think it's actually going to play out or whether or not we think it's a true competition we'll talk about that and sort of put our expectations on 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 record for what we think might come down but what what's interesting to you about this dynamic uh anything about Foles, trubisky the additions anything what what really kind of is your hook here I think
0: that both of these guys are actually premium backups in the NFL. <laughs> and I don't I don't mean that to be mean because you can make a lot no, of money it's and, true. and that's a, it's a good place yeah. to be, but I think these guys are the guys that you want to be your number 2 quarterback. And unfortunately the Bears have two of those. And two number 2s does not add up to one number 1. And that's unfortunate. And so Unfortunately, I don't have huge aspirations for this gr- duo, one of them emerging as the future of the Chicago Bears and leading them into anything great. I think it's going to be can one of them take control and stay healthy throughout the season and put together good games and let that defense carry you? Not lose any games, just. Ride along with it, and and so I I think my my expectations are pretty low in terms of a ceiling. I'm just hoping for a good floor.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, my interest is a little bit different. I I, I definitely want to see how it plays out, but I'm just fascinated by Mitchell Trubisky at this point in terms of where he is now, not what we thought he was going to be, not what I wrote about when he was drafted. Um, Not him leading the Bears to the precipice of what could have been their, you know, most recent best professional achievement, save a double doink field goal. None of that. That's all in the past, right? 2019 set Mitchell Trubisky where he is in the NFL landscape, which is a guy that didn't play well from the opening game, really from the opening snap against Green Bay came out looking scared, and just wasn't a functional quarterback. And you can measure that any way that you want to. Uh, Statistically, the eye test on the field, it all came out to not very good. So that's where he is or was, and every season is new. Now, my fascination is, what does that guy do, right? Your team brought in, some people say competition, some people say a starter, I tend to think Nick Foles will probably be starting sooner rather than later. But what does Mitchell do, right? Does he go and change his mechanics? Does he does he dig in and try and figure out what was wrong with 2019 largely mentally in his head? Um, does he try and meld those two together, the physical and the mental, and come out and compete? Or does he just fold, right? Does he put up a good front because, look, it makes him money and... You know, like you said, you can make a very good living in the NFL as a backup quarterback. Is that what he's got his sights set on? Or as a young guy, is he still sort of, you know, arching for that top spot and hoping that he gets there? I'm really interested to see what Mitchell Trubisky does. I think it'll tell us a lot about who he is. Now, let's get to the expectations. I don't think that he is going to ascend and be a top ten quarterback in the NFL. That's that's not what I'm talking about here. But he is a guy that has shown flashes he's incredibly athletic and if he could play with more consistency both mentally which is probably the biggest thing and physically he has some mechanical hitches that keep him from doing what we want to do and those have been uh those have been analyzed at length by guys like uh our colleague robert schmitz who uh, has done some great breakdowns as have many others about what mitchell needs to do or what he didn't do I'm just interested in how this guy responds. What's on the inside and and how does he deal with his current situation, which is, you know, bottom-tier starter in the NFL with some serious competition to his job in Chicago, and does he rise or does he just sort of settle into the background?
0: Right. I, I think those are fair expectations or, or interests in this one and to see how he responds and how he comes back. I think that when you really think about – all of the mental processing issues that he clearly exhibited and his strengths were taken away by one either defense is not allowing him to run or two him not feeling comfortable with running because he uh, has been injured a couple times on runs with some awkward slides um, and and things like that and so I, I don't know what the mental processing is with with taking away that part of his game but when you you know look at Mitchell Trubisky a lot of what seems to be the issue is happening between the ears. And there are some physical, you know, he's got a good arm. It's not the strongest arm in the league by any stretch of the imagination. He's got a good arm that could get the ball where he needs to be, but that wasn't there either. But the biggest concern is everything that's between the ears. It's the mental processing. And it just didn't seem like he had that and it, pretty much at any point during the 2019 season. And so you're going to have a guy... In Nick Foles, that may not be as physically talented as Mitchell Trubisky, and certainly is not a, at this stage in his career a guy that is a threat to run, uh, certainly not as good as Trubisky has uh, during his short career. But Nick Foles is not going to make the mental mistakes, he's going to make the right read and he's going to put the ball in a place that is catchable um, more times than not and so all of those plays where you see receivers running wide open that mitchell trubisky missed last year nick Foles is going to hit those guys and so to me i think that nick foles it's his job to lose but i have some very i, I really want to hear what you think do you think that if somebody's holding their thumb on the scale for mitchell trubisky To like, he has to really kind of screw up to lose this job, or is this truly an open competition?
1: I actually think the other thing, um, that's a great lead. I really think if you are going to bring Nick Foles in, change his contract, give up a pick for him, all the Oh, GM speak that we've heard about that, which we have learned to ignore with Ryan Pace because Ryan Pace and, and two point Matt Nagy will say what they need to say uh, and do what they want to do. And I think that's certainly the case here. If you do all those things, it is action speaking louder than words. You really think that you've got a role and a big one for Nick Foles to play or you don't do that you do something else you bring in um andy dalton at a, a you know bargain basement contract like the cowboys did and you say hey it's an open competition i think fans may have believed that but they didn't do that with fools. they picked a guy who was familiar with the system which is a big deal in this very odd offseason uh they paid him a lot and said he could get paid a lot more with some contract modification and they gave up a pick for him right that is not saying uh Uh, we'll we'll see if this guy's got anything that's saying I want this guy and I'm going to go get him I'm gonna do this for it and then I'm gonna say what I need to say not to you know maybe damage my younger asset any more than he has already damaged himself uh, in Mitchell Trubisky but I don't believe that I don't believe anybody is pushing for Mitchell Trubisky to be the starter. I think they've moved well past that. Quite frankly, he cost them the 2019 season right. in terms of their window. They had aligned, you know, the the defense was very good. Um, the offense was certainly passable if not better and he couldn't pull the trigger in the way that they hoped he could and that stung a lot right that's their jobs that's the coach's job the gm's job with with a stain that says you were supposed to tear up the nfc and instead you did this and a lot of that pins back to mitchell trubisky and we can have the argument about naggy and trubisky all day long we're not going to do that the bottom line is they weren't going to do that again right they're not just going to give Mitchell Trubisky the reins and say hey we put all this stuff around you go do it they did something else instead so I don't see it as an open competition I think uh unless something unseen happens Nick Foles is going to get the majority of the snaps this year now Nick Foles isn't the most durable guy we know that Trubisky is going to play some this year and he was probably going to play some this year no matter what very few NFL starting quarterbacks take every snap for their team. Um, at some point, he's going to have to come in and try and win a game, whether it's COVID, whether it's an injury. Um, it, we're still going to see that. If he stays on the roster and they don't do something um, really drastic, like trade him away for a pick right before the season starts, um, you know, Mitchell Trubisky is going to play some snaps for the Bears this year, and I hope that he does well. That's what I hope for all players, but the Bears are not counting on that in any way so you're
0: actually basically thinking exactly how i am because i have from the trade said okay i may not love the trade uh and and taking on the contract and then writing a kind of a weird contract where it's very much uh (laughs) in in, to, to nick Foles' benefit to be able to opt a player opt out option is not a not a common thing to to sign a guy to and so really the bears it looked a little desperate in that in that trade and in that contract renegotiation and to me that said that you're bringing nick Foles in to start and i think a lot of what i see you know on social media and a lot of what other people are saying is like well nick Foles isn't very good because he got benched in jacksonville and so they just brought in this patsy for mitchell trubisky to beat up on him it's still mitchell's job they and ryan pace really wants him to succeed because he's staked his career on that I don't see it that way and he wasn't a good fit in Jacksonville that was a bad signing by them and Jacksonville's a you know that's a dumpster fire franchise anyway so let's not let's not judge a guy who failed in Jacksonville's system when they didn't surround him with a with a good offensive system that fit his skill set but I'm with you I think that Nick Foles is the guy that they brought in to win this job and they need to keep Mitchell's confidence um you know, with the team to make him, you know, and, and of course, if he blows the doors off and, and full struggles, then, you know, he can win the job. I, I believe that that's possible, but I do think that they need to keep him engaged because he will have to take some snaps at some point in the year. And so you're playing that game where you want him involved and you want him to be able to produce at a pinch when he's called upon. So uh, I think we're on the same page. I actually think that we're in the minority, but um it's interesting and it would be interesting to hear that you guys are listening to this you know ping us on, on on twitter or on the website and kind of tell us where you think you guys are at on who you think has the edge coming into this open competition camp battle for quarterback
1: yeah i'm interested to see if if your assertion that we're in the minority is actually true i um yeah, I maybe I've maybe I've been in the bubble myself. Maybe I haven't uh, been paying attention enough, but it doesn't feel like that's the the thinking Bears fans take. And I'd say that's largely our audiences, folks that that want to dig in a little bit and not take the headlines. Um, seems like most folks have kind of. Um, just accepted that that is going to play a major role um but again i'm I'm really interested in mitchell i i've been interested in mitchell it's just a fascinating mental struggle for me right like what changed because he was better in 18 he was clearly terrible in 19 from the get-go um and everybody had such high hopes including us right uh because he was ascending and he not only stalled but really just never got it going and i as a as an analyst as someone on the outside that doesn't have any sources there you really wonder like what shifted what happened why did the wheels fall so completely off so and in this season it's it's not so much about that because the past is past. it's really about will the wheels come back on can he come out and play some inspiring football because like you said he's a very good athlete he's got a great arm and when he either has his first or second read open um or makes quick decisions under about two seconds the results tend to be pretty pretty good um can he do that again can he regain at least that sort of mid-2018 form which statistically was not great but it was clearly ascending it was clearly hey he's got some tools and he knows how to use them 2019 we I, i'll just say i never felt like that right from the opening game at green bay it really he threw up a zero and from then on you were like whoa there was a little shaken confidence and from then on it was just except for the detroit games <laughs> uh <laughs> right it really didn't look very good so is he going to get back to that mid 2018 form which again is not world beating but decent and ascending you know young quarterback with tools or is 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 he just spent in the system and he needs a fresh start or or what happens so that's the that's the fascinating take but just like you i would love to hear from folks listening to this what they think about this and whether or not they really believe this is Foles' job um whether they're still holding out hope for trubisky to be good and and possibly do something miraculous like ascend to the league's top third um that's all that's just really really fascinating to me
0: Well, let's leave it there. Let's talk about the beers. Circle around of those, and uh, you know, make this a a shorter first episode. Back, we've got plenty of time to talk about some stuff, and we'll bring on some guests. Uh, I know we got to bring on Sam Householder to talk about some bets at some point. Uh, Maybe we can convince Jonathan Wood. You really
1: want to get thrashed again? Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, we all were
0: profitable, EJ. Uh, I think that's the that's the take that's the lead. We were all profitable. You were just a little bit more profitable than the others. Uh, so, all right. Uh, yes, I do want to get thrashed
1: again. That's fine. I I'm, I had a lot of fun
0: with that episode. We want to. Do I it got again. lucky. Um, I got lucky. Let's let's well, be
1: honest. I don't bet, so I got lucky, but it was it was a good episode. And I'd love to have Sam back on. Sam is uh, a great colleague of ours at Windy City and, and any chance we can have to get him on the pod is great.
0: So, my beer um it's just it's a solid porter. Uh nothing remarkable about it on the tasting notes. There isn't anything that you're like, "Oh, this is a cool porter because it does this." It's it's a solid entry. Um it's Totally drinkable. It's 5%. Nothing wrong with it. It's a solid beer. What about you?
1: I'm uh, a little more on the... Oh, damn. I'm really sorry I didn't try this earlier, Trip. Um, this is 6.5% by volume. It is... Um, wow. I think it's brilliant. It's really, really good. It's got a little bit of sweetness for those of you that are familiar with my Bach. It's a It's a golden style, not clear... Um, Has a little bit of weediness to it, but not enough to sort of overpower a sweetness. still more of a tangy beer, uh, probably right on Jeff's IBU level um, in terms of what he would like. But this one has just that little bit of sweetness backing it, a real warmth to it, a very true sort of golden color to it. Um, I'm really... I'm kicking myself for not trying Drew's Brews a little bit earlier. This one is really, really good, and I'm kind of wishing I drank more of my Bach this spring because now it's a style that you're not going to get right till next year. Got to wait so. till next year. I know, but uh, it's might be worth the wait. Very, very, very good offering, and it's always great to see a young brewery um, that is producing consistently because that's usually the sort of achilles heel of young brewers is consistency between their batches they might produce one that's good and one that's not um with as many people i know that have said really good things about his beers um i'm i'm a fan this is great stuff hmm. excellent well great thanks uh, happy to
0: be back and uh, talking about bears and it'll be a weird season but i'm happy we'll be talking about it together so you want to get us out of here
1: yeah, absolutely. So of course you can follow Jeff at Gridiron gridironborn on Twitter and I am at the draftsman FB as in football. Most of our work goes up on windy city gridiron. Um, you can check me out on the bootleg football podcast with Brett Coleman, as Jeff said earlier. Um, and we will be with you. We don't know what our schedule is yet. Uh, it's a weird season. We're probably going to have a bit of a weird frequency getting podcasts out, but we will be with you. We are back in the saddle and producing content as, uh, the need arises. So, um, until then, thanks for listening and bear down.